Hello everyone and thanks so much for joining us for this new episode of the Food Science Addict podcast. In this podcast we aim at discovering food science topics for those of you who already know what food science is and also for those of you who are not sure about it. Listen to us while we unravel the mystery and wonders of food science from ingredients functionalities to novel technologies to novel foods and much more. This episode is sponsored by the Institute of Food Science and Technology, a professional membership body for those interested in food science technology. Stay till the end to find out more about IFST. Hello, dear gastronauts, and welcome again to this new episode. Today, we're hosting Nick Hansen, who is a food product development consultant, and he's really passionate about food product development. He will talk about his experience. We will talk about MPD, a little bit of trends, and also very useful suggestions for you students. All right. So thank you so much, Nick, for joining us for this new episode. Yeah, that's great. Nice to be here, Veronica. So I, I was very interested in, in getting to, to talk to you because I know you're particularly expert in NPD and NPD is one of the parts that are particularly creative for food scientists and as a role in general. I have me myself first, when I was a student, I wanted to be involved in NPD and I meet a lot of students that do want to to start with NPD. So I, it, it makes sense for us to explore this world a little bit more. But first, what I want to do is start asking about what is your current role and what is the story behind, behind how you got to your role? So if you can tell us a little bit more about your story. Yeah, sure, absolutely. No, that's that's great. So yeah, I'm a, I'm a food science graduate from the University of Reading. Uh, many moons ago, uh, and I straight away went into uh, product development in the food industry. And like many of my colleagues, I really hadn't got a clue what product development was, but it sounded an exciting area. And I would say, you know, having been in the industry many, many years working in product development, I have found it extremely rewarding. So I think from the get-go, I would certainly recommend to your listeners to you know, consider it as an option. I, I started off in a food business called Associated British Foods, and they're a diverse uh, food business with a number of different food brands. And um, they had a central development centre uh, where they uh, recruited new and experienced uh, food developers to help develop new products for them. So I felt as a kickoff, this was, a, you know, potentially a nice, a nice start. Having said that, my first assignment was to a, uh, a pet food cannery in the northwest of England, <laughs> which wasn't quite the glamorous start that I'd, I, I, I'd hoped for. Um, but I spent three months, I spent three months in a factory making pet food. And actually, I learned a huge amount. I learned you know, how processes affect products. I learned how factories worked. And most of all, I learned how to get on with people you know, who I had very little in common with. So it was a terrific grounding in, uh, in food product development for that initial period. But yeah, I moved, I moved fairly quickly. I moved on to a company called Rankovis McDougall and they were forming a joint venture with a chemical company called uh, ICI. And this was the start of the microprotein venture. 
which I'm sure you've you've all heard of. I, I probably didn't realise at the time how privileged I was to be involved in that in that development, which ultimately became um, the corn uh, the corn product range. And and this joint venture, they were building teams of mainly scientists. And that was, uh, as, as, you know, as I'm sure you know, that was a multi-million pound project that went on for many years and, and now is an established brand. So, you know, it's an example of, of getting involved at the beginning in a, in a very exciting development. Yeah, and I, I worked in the flavour industry for many years in applications. And that's certainly an area I would strongly recommend. Uh, I'm actually now working for myself, uh, which is quite nice. So I'm advising uh, food companies uh, on how to go about product development, trying to use the learning that I developed through my career to help other businesses grow in product development. Well, this is an amazing path, an amazing, you know, career. And um, uh, I'm pretty sure lots of us will get much inspiration from it. And it's extremely interesting to know that you've been involved in corn. I mean, I know that because we had a chat and I know you a little bit more um, from, you know, we met and we had the chat also. But first, what I want to do is, if you can tell us a little bit more. So let's just go into the NPD uh, a little bit more. So for someone who doesn't know what it is, or you know, for a student that just starts to, to study food science or someone who is thinking about enrolling in this program, what is new product development and what does it involve? I know you spoke about uh, having to deal with many different people. Can you tell us a little bit more about how do you go about for NPT? Yeah, sure. So I think you need to think of NPT as part of a, uh, a bigger, um, picture around how brands develop their products and develop their their business and and typically in medium to large companies that will be the marketing groups who essentially control that development and part of that development will obviously be the development of new products which is absolutely critical for a you know a thriving growing business and I think in terms of where a a food science, a food tech, a nutrition graduate would be involved in the development stage. It's really working from the point where you have the ideas and the concepts for a new product, and you would have been involved in developing those ideas. So that's the creative element. And actually working on a very practical basis through all the stages to get that product out of a factory and onto a supermarket shelf. And primarily that's going to be, what's the formulation? Uh, where do I get the ingredients from? How is it gonna be processed? And the big, the big factors that you would be involved in would certainly be around taste. So all the sensory aspects, which is a very exciting area, obviously. Building the nutrition of the product. How do I get the desired nutrition? I mean, the marketers may be expecting a claim high protein or whatever so you're going to be responsible for how am I going to deliver that high protein claim in the product and you'll need to consider safety shelf life and stability uh, the packaging elements you know what some of the technical aspects around packaging and then obviously working through um, into the process stages and I would say certainly in the early stage of you, your career think of it very much as a practical uh, a very practical role you know, you're going to be in the lab, you're going to be in the development kitchens, you're probably going to be in pilot plant, 
and you're certainly going to be in factories doing trials. So that that to me is is the really a really positive element for for food scientists, food techs are looking to get into that area. So Nick, um, another question related to NPD. Um, I imagine that if you are a student doing your first placement or a graduate student doing your first internship in a in a company and doing NPD, it might be a little bit overwhelming, perhaps to to think about having to to develop the product and think about the taste, the flavor, packaging, shelf life, etc. So what what are the negatives of of NPD and um, and also, you you spoke a little bit about the positive aspects, but what could be the negative aspects of, of MPD and how to overcome this overwhelming situation if there is something that we could do or someone that could help in case we feel like that? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot to consider, certainly, and it's a challenging area. We, we shouldn't, I know, underestimate that, but in a sense, that's the you know that's that's the excitement of of, of working in the area the, the variety i think many ideas that you start to work on to, to to the shelf so you could argue there's a high a high failure rate but this is this is commonplace because you're very much looking at new things you're trying to conquer new challenges and inevitably there's going to be a high level of failure um so you know you do learn a lot and even, even when you get to the shelf, you know, we know that a lot of new products, they hit the shelf, uh, they're there for a few months and then they, they're gone. So I think you have to be able to accept the fact that, fingers crossed, you're going to get some successes, but, you know, there's going to be a few failures along the way. So, uh, you know, I think, I think a thick skin is, is, is always useful in PD. Yeah, that's a good advice. It's something that we need to start developing in most of all of the fields, basically. But yes, I mean, that. Um, I, I wonder how it, that would be if for someone very competitive that, you know, how would they um, deal with the potential failure? But of course, eh, that depends on the person. And I guess that there is also a component of professional, personal development, just yeah, I think, I mean, if the two, to me, the two great things about PD for uh, someone working in food science is you would almost certainly have the opportunity to use what you've learned in your degree in a very practical, you know, commercial, mm-hmm. industrial context. So you've got the opportunity to make, to make a difference. I think you always need to, you always need to keep that in mind. It's also a very creative area. So you know, you're, you're going to be able to apply your knowledge in a very creative way. There's obviously the front end ideas generation, which is always so much fun. But PD is a lot, is a, is a lot about um, creative problem solving. So I think that's, you know, that, that's the good thing. Nick, related to idea generation, um, how do you normally go about that? So do you have to, to do a brainstorming with all of the people in the, in the department or who, who, who is involved in the idea generation? Yeah, I mean, the great thing about idea generation is anybody can do it. You know, some people don't feel that confident that they can contribute ideas. But in a brainstorming session, which, as you say, is the classic route, there are great techniques to help people bring out their creativity and ideas. And what will typically happen is you'll have a moderator who has has a skill in running a brainstorming session to get the most out of people's ideas. And you'll go off all sorts of tangents. You'll, you'll talk about all sorts of wacky things and you'll, talk, you'll, you'll generate ideas around a very big area. 
And what you find in these sessions, you literally get hundreds of ideas that come out and then you you do this funneling. So you look at all those ideas and you, you obviously discard the crazy ones and you look at the ones that couldn't be legal, that couldn't be safe. And you end up probably with, you know, half a dozen ideas that go through into the funnel. So uh, yeah, it's great fun. There's some great techniques now. There's some great facilitators out there. Again, it's, it's really good fun. That does sound fun, but I just wanted to, to stress about this. I remember last year, so at the university, we, we have an NPD module. And in order to boost some creativity with the group of students that had to develop a prototype of a, a new product, I remember preparing like a jar with different um, papers. And I remember students had to pick one and one was a character like a musician, Rihanna. And the other one was uh, John Malkovich. I remember we put John Malkovich. We also used Samantha Cristoforetti, the astronaut. And we tried to develop what type of food would they want to eat. So, and that was really fun. That was like a brainstorming. Let's try to develop a prototype that would be uh, good for this person as a target, their category. So that was really fun. Really good yeah. ideas came out. Yeah, that's a good. The role play um, is a really good way of helping people get out of their, you know, normal environment to think more broadly. And that's a, that's a really nice way of doing it. Yes. And let me just go on and ask the, the other questions that I have that have to do with um, always NPD, but mostly about novel trends. I know that we discussed about this a bit and, and we know very well that if we start talking about these things, perhaps one episode will definitely not be enough. But let's just try to, to just touch some of the, the topics that could be of interest. So I know that there are several novel trends um, happening in 2022 and some more in 2023. But what do you think about the novel trends? What, what is a novel trend that you believe to be very interesting and worth keeping an eye on? I know we discussed about um, microorganisms and of course your involvement in corn, but what is, what is your, um, your thought about trends that are here to stay? Yeah, and I think that's a good that's a good way of pushing it because what I've seen, uh, you know, having worked in the industry for many years for developers, it's about looking at what will be sustained trends versus what will be a fad. In other words, something that's going to come and go very quickly. Um, and what's interesting when you look back around sustained trends. A lot of that has been related to nutrition and health and well-being when you when you go back in time. I mean, when I first started, you know, the nutrition community and the food industry were just starting to get to grips with uh, fiber as, a, as an area and understanding that actually fiber wasn't just something that you threw away from the outside of the wheat grain. It actually was something that would potentially have a benefit to the health and then you started to get a whole series of fiber fortified products and that you know that was a sustained trend that's actually gone right through and has actually fed into the fiber day uh, you know the fiber day is partly about fiber and i think for me if you're talking about trends that are going to be sustained the whole area of applying nutritional learning into food products is really the one to keep an eye on and I think probably the one I would put my money on for the future is going to be around the gut microbiome. Yes. 
Yes. Yeah, I mean, there's a huge a lot going on at the moment, but we are literally just scratching the surface of what is understood about the microbiome and how food com components affect the microbiome. Yeah. And, you know, it's going to go much beyond just digestive health. It looks like it's going into immunity, uh, possibly this gut-brain axis that they talk health. about yes. uh, into mood. Um, and, and there will be materials, you know, that we can put into food that are going to impact that area. So, um, yeah, a tricky one from a legislative point of view. But I think if you were to consider an area that, you know, is going to grow, I, I think that's one. I, I think in terms of sort of the manufacturing side, as you said, we touched on fermentation as a technique. Mm -hmm. And I'm working in that area with one of the universities and I, you know, I'm not an expert in it although I, you know, from corn, I understand some elements, but I think fermentation as a route to produce food materials in a sustainable way, uh, this is one to keep an eye on as well. Yeah, especially now with all the, um, now what, what, what is one um, of my favorite topic is space food. So, <laughs> and I know that the research for NASA in general for uh, manned missions to space has boosted a lot of research in the field of food science. So I know that, you know, vertical farming is one of the things that they're trying to develop or especially fermentation for the production of meat, for the production of, uh, um, well, meat for animal proteins, let's say. So there are some products that are may not maybe commercialized in Europe, UK, but maybe in, um, in USA that have to do with milk produced in a lab rather than from an animal. And I remember saying when we spoke uh, the other day that at least this is my opinion, but I think it's, it's very similar to yours that the future is for microorganisms. Yeah. So we'll see a lot of interesting things, I guess. Yeah, certainly, certainly. Yeah, I think that's going to be one. Uh, you know, it's interesting because corn, uh, the corn development was... Uh, they started that in the early 1980s. Mm. Uh, I think the product hit the shelves in the late 80s, early 90s. So that was interesting because it was really at a time, essentially it was a, you know, a plant-based food or a, uh, a non-animal food, um, when really no, no one was talking about vegans. Vegetarians were you know, considered to be a bit weird. Um, <laughs> and it's, you know, it's been a sustained brand over 30 years. Now, obviously, currently there's a huge level of interest in you know plant-based and I mean I didn't mention that in the trends but I think it is a it's an interesting one the question probably is is it going to be quite faddish is it going to come and fade off a bit or is it going to be sustained and I suppose that's the exciting thing to look into yeah it's I have seen some um some stats even if I don't remember exactly the figures but it kind of looks like plant-based uh, at least you know the plant-based burgers they're kind of declining but of course it's something that we need to to have a look at and I think that a lot of things is related to the fact that when we develop these type of products we try to mimic something that the consumer knows very well already so is it maybe this the limitation we just have to stop mimicking things that exist and just develop new foods instead of calling these plant-based burger, just 
come up with another name because of course there is an expectation a lot of people want to switch their diet want to be more environmental want to eat something that is healthier but then of course these things are also associated with ultra processing there are so many things happening in for this specific uh, product um and now, of course, I don't think that the corn is much affected because it is dominating the, the category and people know it very well. It's, and it's particularly successful product because, first of all, I mean, I, I eat it and it tastes very well. Um, and yeah, I think it's one of the first. Yeah, and I think I think you make an interesting point about why are we trying to, you know, why are we trying, why are we investing so much money and resources in mimicking meat in the current trend? I think it. I think you need to look at the consumer. So a vegan, for example, will probably have a very good understanding of how they can make very tasty foods from a whole range of different pulses, grains, nuts, fruits, etc. They don't feel the need probably to eat something that mimics meat. Having said that, the vegan category is still very small, although it's growing. Mm -hmm. The bigger opportunity near term is around the so-called flexitarians who actually want something a little bit different maybe cut down on the meat a little bit. And they probably are key to have something that has taste characteristics of meat. Yes. So when you look within the category a bit more thoroughly, you can see those sort of different areas. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I'm one of them. I'm a food curious, so I tend to buy things that I don't know. Sometimes I regret it, sometimes I don't. <laughs> Let me just ask you another question. So this is mostly related to students' lives. So you are an expert in NPD and you've been through various steps of it. So what is your advice for a student that is passionate about NPD but needs help knowing where to start? And this can apply either to a student going on placement for the first time or a student that has graduated and is getting into his, his or her first um, graduate job. Yeah, no, that's a nice question. I think, you know, from what I've learned, and if I look back on, you know, how I started, I was very fortunate in that I got into a, a large company quite early on. And I think my advice would be in those early stages, in the first job, try and get yourself into a large food business um, who, who will have, you know, teams of developers that you can learn from. You know, they will have good facilities. You'll get very good experience um, because you'll be working with a whole series of different disciplines within the business. And I think I wouldn't be too precious about a particular product category. Unless you feel very passionate, I must go into a certain fine. But generally speaking, be very open-minded about the product type that you get into in your first job. And the critical thing is get that good product and company experience under your belt in those first you know five years you know probably in a bigger company that allows you then to springboard into well look I really want to move into a smaller business or I don't know I want to get into marketing or something so probably go for the bigger companies the bigger businesses the diversified food businesses there's plenty out there they're always looking for good graduates so but yeah, I think that would probably be my, my sort of one tip. And what would be your tip for someone who hates group work and who hates public speaking and but still want to work in NPD? What is your advice or 
what would you say to them? Yeah, I mean, you know, you, hopefully I've given the picture. I mean, really, if you're going to be in the heart of NPD, you're going to be really relating to all sorts of different people. You're going to be presenting. I'm not saying you have to be outgoing, but I think you need to be confident and, and you need to be happy about interacting with people on a regular basis. But there are more, you know, roles where you're not having to do... I mean, if you take regulatory, for example, a uh, fascinating area that the students will have touched on in their course... Um, it's more of a desk-based job. It's more about you know understanding the regulations and helping people apply regulations. Perhaps a bit less high-profile, uh, and and great opportunities. To be honest, uh, good legal people, good regs people in the food industry are really in demand. So um, that could be an area for someone who you know is not looking for the hustle and bustle of of, of PD. All right. Well, thank you so much, Nick, for answering my questions. I probably. Um put some information about where to find you so I can uh, include your LinkedIn um, profile in the episode description in case some of our listeners wants to get in contact with you. But of course, they can also send me an email and, and I can forward the question back to you. Thank you so, so much for your time today. And I hope that I can contact you again in case we have more questions. We will definitely have questions about NPD and curiosities about trends. So if you're happy, I will contact you again in the future. Yeah, any, anything like that, no problem. Just get in touch. Yes, well, thank you so much, Nick. Yeah, no problem. Thanks, Veronica. Before finishing and saying goodbye to everyone, I'd like to thank the Institute of Food Science and Technology for sponsoring Food Science Addict podcast. The IFSD is the UK's leading professional body for those involved in all aspects of food science and technology. The IFSD provides a variety of benefits as part of their membership, including free knowledge resources, topical events and professional recognition. The IFSD members are just like you. They're studying or working in areas of the food sector, in industry, education and governmental organizations. Find out more about IFSD and become a member today by heading to www.ifsd.org. Thank you so much for joining us for this new episode of the Food Science Addict. If you have any questions or any doubts, do not hesitate and send an email to thefoodscienceaddict at outlook.com or send a DM to our Instagram at thefoodscienceaddict. Take care and goodbye.